0: Continue in a a series that we started last week that I have entitled "Summer in the Psalms." Now it was Joel who uh, pointed out that the proper spelling of summer would have to be P.S. in order to make this thing really work, and so we just had to redo our our template there. But uh, so uh, throughout the summer. I'll just be going to different Psalms. We did Psalm 2, we did Psalm 1. We are now doing Psalm 8, and it's amazing. Psalm 8 is a kind of a small um, nine verses, doesn't seem necessarily like something that's gonna bowl you over, like it's heavy duty theology. Seems like just a wonderful expression of praise to God. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent or how majestic is your name in all the earth. As a matter of fact, let's let's learn that right now, because that's verse one and that's verse nine, and if you learn that, you could be driving along in your car, minding your own business, and the Spirit of God could just put that in your mind and you'll go, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your, well, you probably wouldn't want to close your eyes (laughs) under those circumstances. That would be a mistake. But to be able to speak God's Word, as you're going throughout your day, I mean, that, that is, that's real ammunition. That's really equipping to really have God's Word on board in your life. So it's something that, you know, you don't have to go dig your Bible and remember what verse it was to get your concordance, or where, where did I find that word? Because you just know. So let's look, close your eyes. Got them closed? O Lord, our Lord, say it after me. O Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Let's do it again. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Okay, you just learned two verses in scripture. Verse one and verse nine of Psalm eight, that's good. So think of that, keep that, kind of keep that on board. Being able to, the word of God is cleansing and is also, it's got the full tilt ring of authority. When God's word is spoken, that's the end of the discussion. And so, if you have God's word with you, it's tucked away in your heart. You can all kinds of things can come to mind: anxieties, problems, troubles, fears, all kinds of things, all day long, right? That come up, and if you can take the word of God and just take something, take some, find something that really is—it's is richly meaningful to you. it Could be something like. Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly stand. You know what I mean? Like, it, it can be from anywhere, just some simple passage. And, and because it's now in your heart, it will bring its own power. Remember, the Word of God says, uh, the book of Hebrews, the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit down to the very thoughts and intents of the heart you don't read the word of god the word of god reads you and it unmasks all pretenses and we're all good at pretenses aren't we nobody said amen come on right? Aren't we all, we're masters of pretense. You know what I mean? We all know how to put on the happy face or the right kind of an out. you know what I mean? All that. But but the word of God penetrates down to the very core of our being. And I got to really hustle if um, we're going to get into everything here today that I'm hoping to get into. A A lot of scripture, a lot of text here this morning. Some are in the Psalms. Here's our message for today, Psalm 8. And we're going to look at this question that David asks himself, which is kind of like, The ultimate metaphysical question, what is man? The answer to that will direct your life, or what you think the answer to that is will be entirely that which sets the course for your life. What is man? What I think man is supposed to be, I will then pursue, or what I think you know, is, is my destiny or all of that, that's the thing that I'll go after and pursue. So here in this case, David is asking himself in great reflection. He's looked up at the skies, looked up at the heavens. He's observing all of the wonder, the panorama of the cosmos. And, in, and, and in, in all of its grandeur and glory, and of course, he knew nothing compared to what we know today. I was saying, unless we, they're, they're, they now know that there are over 100 billion galaxies. I mean, it's just staggering. What the universe is, and, and, and how glorious and amazing it is, and what kinds of things that God has made there. was just like when it, He says, When I consider the heavens the work of your fingers. You know? Like just some little thing that God did, just something that He made, you know? And, and yet it, 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 it provides inexhaustible study and research and and depth. It's kind of like that happens on both sides of the coin. In, in the macrocosm of the universe, we'll, we could study it and probably will forever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever get to the bottom of the whole thing. And then in the microcosm, go down to like something like an atom and look at the size, the relative size of an atom, with the protons, neutrons, electrons, and all of the various different quantum energy. It, like, all of it is mind-boggling and all made by the same God. So he can work and he can create perfection on a scale that is unbelievable, complex beyond imagine, all imagination. But anyway, we're going to talk today about what is man. Um, now. Uh, There have been other people who have offered a variety of answers to this. Uh, A a woman named Simone de Beauvoir said this. Humanity is a discontinuous series of free men permanently isolated in their subjectivity. That's helpful. (laughs) Thank you, Simone. Um, How about Nietzsche? little Nietzsche? Man is a rope stretched between the animal and the superman, a rope over an abyss. All right, not much more help there. Uh, If anything, uh, a little bit depressing. I'm walking on a tightrope over an abyss. Okay, how about Sartre, who was a French philosopher, mid-20th century? Man is nothing else than his plan. It exists only insofar as it is realized so it is nothing but the whole." In other words, an entirely utilitarian idea. of What is man? He's somebody that can do stuff. And, and his plan to do stuff is what makes, is what offers value to, or significance to his life. Okay, um, Plato offered this. Man is a featherless biped. Well, true that. <laughs> Helpful? I don't know. But it's true, okay, and then uh, oh, Diogenes stated that this definition of Plato's does not really represent man. In order to prove that, he plucked a rooster and he said, there's the man that, that uh, Plato was talking about. Aristotle describes man in the following way, man is a speaking animal, all right, true enough. But it's far from showing the nature of man, the loftiness of man, the wisdom of man, the creativity of man. Uh, Darwin, Darwin of course, claimed that a man was an animal that came into being by evolving from ape-like animals, as you know. Socrates said, man is a being who thinks and wills. And Plato, man is a soul. Oh, did I get? Man is a soul using your body. I guess I jumped ahead of myself. Anyway, the question that David uh, uh, arrives at comes to mind as he's looking out at the cosmos. And we started this study last week. Um, and, 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 and I, at, at the time, kind of um, built it up to say that this psalm, although it's, it's kind of seemingly basic and simple and straightforward, has a revelation in it that is so mind-boggling, which adds, a, which adds detail to the, to the question that he has asked on a level that I'm sure he himself could never have even begun to imagine. And I, and I hope to be able somehow to be able to explain it to some degree this morning so that we can see the, the amazing um, uh, revelation that God had given to him in a very simple statement. So we'll, uh, let's, let's break into this. He's looking at the sun, moon, stars, all the things that God has created, and he says, have you ever done that? What am I? Right? Feel just your own tininess, like your own insignificance. And if it were not for, if it were not for Jesus, if it were not for God and the work that he's done, and, and having honored humanity by coming into this world as one of us, and then laying his life down for those of us who have just willfully sinned again and again and again, egregiously sinned against God, right? That's, what, that's where significance is to be found. Ladies tend to find significance in relationships. Men tend to find significance in their job or their work or what they do. It's kind of the first thing that people will talk about when they But real significance can only be found in one place, and that's at the cross of Jesus Christ. If the cross of Jesus, it doesn't matter who or what I am, if that had not happened, I will soon be entirely insignificant. Because I will live here for a short amount of time, and then I will die, and that will be the end of me. But because of what Jesus has done, I am eternally significant. God has given us incredible significance by what has happened happened on the cross. So. David is thinking of his own insignificance and and so that's what what prompts this poem or this song that he wrote. Uh, Let's jump into it. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, that's important, and you have crowned him with glory and honor you have made him to have dominion oops you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and have put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen even the beasts of the field the birds of the air the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas O lord our lord how excellent is your name in all the earth Let's take a minute and pray. Father God, we come before you, grateful for the the blood and the application of the blood that we sang about before, which cleanses us to the degree that we can now come boldly before the throne of grace to find your grace and find your help in time of need. We thank you, Lord, that you have made a way by which we can be accepted. You have made a way by which we can stand before you and not be utterly condemned by who and what we are. So we thank and praise you for what you've rolled out the red carpet for us. And uh, now, Lord, as we get together, what a privilege, what an honor to have this place. Thank you for all this. Thank you for everything that's here. Thank you for everybody that's here. Thank you for this time set aside so that we can learn something fresh from your word and more importantly, apply it to the lives that we are living. We praise you, Lord God, because you have made our lives meaningful and significant. Without you, life is just kind of a silly joke going nowhere so in you life is full of meaning full of purpose so lord god we ask we pray that you would add your blessing and your anointing to this word as it's spoken here this morning so it deeply down into our heart may it bear may it bring forth rich and, and wonderful fruit for your name's sake and for your glory's sake we pray this now in jesus name and everybody said Amen. all right it wasn't too bad and it'll warm you up say hallelujah that's what we're gonna have to have here. We'll need somebody who will hold up the hallelujah sign. Maybe get Lorraine to do that. Would, would, you, know, would you be alright with that? No? You know? Like, say thank you, Jesus, now, you know. Just need a little prompting, you know. We're from New Jersey. We can't help it. We're all these uptight white people. You know, it's not our fault. We were born this way. Anyway. Now in this psalm, David gives his answer by recalling what the Bible answer um, known to uh, by recalling the answer that the Bible gives as to what is man. Right. In essence, this is the answer that David comes up with. The Creator made human beings to be His representatives on the earth, and He gave them dominion over creation. The Creator made human beings to be His representatives on the earth, and He gave us or gave humanity dominion over the creation and there's there's a sidebar truth that i i can't even touch this morning but it is very important that it's at least get spoken and probably should do uh, messages on this because what this what this um passage is pointing to is uh, the the stewardship that we are given the responsibility for of the planet and that should awaken in all of us and in an environmentally and ecologically conscious mindset, because we're supposed to take care of this planet. So anything that we can do, obviously we're living in a time when, you know, all the talk of global warming or global cooling or whatever the globe is doing at any given time, whether or not this is man-made, all this kind of stuff has kind of created big clouds in this whole issue, but it is important, just in terms of... Don't litter the place up. Don't mess it all up. Like, take care of it. Make, it. make it pretty whenever possible. You know what I mean? Just real, real simple stuff. Have the kind of genuine character that, that really wants to take care of it. Like, recycle your stuff. If you, can, if you can recycle something, recycle it. Is that good advice? Are you mad at me now? <laughs> but it, And again, I'm, I'm just bringing that up again. That would easily be worth a message or two. Right, the, the, the responsibility that we have for the planet and to be on board with anything that maintains or adds to the health of the planet. But, um, let's see, where are we? By the way, I'm just feeling prompted to say this. Um, it's Tracy, right? No. Tracy, no. What's that? Pila. Pila. Ray, okay, yeah, I thought you were a friend of my daughter's. But I said before, we're we're all white people, and we can't help it. And obviously, you guys don't fit that category. And I'm thinking, boy, I don't want to make you feel bad because we love to get a little color in this place. Okay, so if if that in any way came across as something that was off-putting, I want to blow that right off, okay? Because we welcome and are delighted to have you here with us this morning. Anyway, so um, So since man has been given the dignity of being caretaker or guardian or custodian of the world, we should be active and engaged in environmental and ecological concerns when we can and where we can and however we can in order to be faithful to the charge that God gave to us in the first place. Okay. Now, when I I brought this psalm to our attention last week, I mentioned that there's one verse in here that just seems kind of out of place. See if you agree with me. As we went through this psalm. So I want to go through it again, and, and, and I'll delete that verse, and go through the psalm without that particular verse. Not that I want to be guilty of, you know, anyone who adds or subtracts from this word, the plagues of this book will be, no, 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 no we don't want that. You know, the, the statement in Revelation, but just simply to show there's a continuity to it all, and then there's this one particular verse, and this one particular verse, I think you'll agree, it's kind of like, see, that's, that's weird. Where'd that come from? So anyway, let's go back through it and reread it. "O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man? Is you are mindful of him and the Son of Man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels. Oops. Yeah. For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands you've put all things under his feet all sheep and oxen even the beasts of the field the birds of the air the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas O lord our lord how excellent is your name in all the earth that read kind of nice and smooth didn't it he's looking up at the heavens and he says when i consider the heavens the work of your fingers, sun, moon, and stars that you have created, right? What I deleted was verse 2. And verse 2 is this interesting, but I think kind of oddly positioned statement about babies and nursing infants, which, again, I, like just seems to me like, see, that that's in a strange spot. That doesn't seem to follow the sequence, right? So verse 2 appears to be kind of a, Kind of an uh, an odd insertion. Uh, It seems a little bit disconnected to the rest of the psalm. But I believe that it's this verse that reveals the fullness of the idea that David is in pursuit of when he starts talking about what is man. This adds a whole other level of significance. That one statement is going to add a, a gigantic level of significance to who and what we are Um, based upon what he's telling us through that particular verse. Now, let's take a look at that verse a little more closely, and here's what it is. Yeah, out of the mouths, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Now, this has got to be a big deal. Right, because out of the mouth of the people that he's talking about, or these babies and nursing infants that he's talking about, they are going to be the ones that he's going to use to silence his enemy. So that that's pretty significant in terms of knowing and understanding. Like, what what is this verse trying to trying to say to me? Okay, I'll get, now and and part of the uh, part of this breaks down to be how it's how it's being translated. Okay, different different translators have approached it in different ways, but largely there's a couple of ways that they have translated. But I, this morning, your fearless expositor, will give you my own translation. Then you, everybody have a rock handy? No, hopefully, and it will provide some insight. Okay, so here's a few examples of the way it is uh, translated. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger, King James Version. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease, New American Standard. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger, English Standard Version couple more. Because of your adversaries, you have established a stronghold from the mouths of children and nursing infants to silence the enemy and the avenger. And that is the Holman Christian Study Bible. And uh, finally, the last one is the BRG Bible. And they translate it, Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Okay, so the common interpretation you can see is either you have established strength or you have ordained strength, okay? Out of the mouth of babes and suckling infants, you have established strength or you have ordained strength, okay? But still, I don't think that the meaning of that jumps right out at you, right? Still seems a little bit abstract, still seems a little, and still seems to, like, why is it actually there? We had this, he had this whole thing going about looking up in the heavens and all of that, and then... That thing kind of finds itself in, in, in the spot of verse two. Now, here is the Pastor Steve translation. And this is the way, I, and I've, I've done a lot of research on this, and I did, did all those different ones so you can see that what I'm gonna show you is kind of in there, and different people have, have presented it. Um, I just think um, the way that I'm putting it together gives a better explanation. I don't mean to be tooting my own horn up here, you know. Toot, toot. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, here we go. Out of the mouth... Did I get the right one? Yeah. Out of the mouths of babies and nursing infants, you have established a stronghold because of your enemies that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouths of babies and nursing infants, you have established a stronghold. There is something about this, and I would say the babies and nursing infants is speaking of the ongoing production of human life, okay? Human life is renewed every time another baby is born. So with the ongoing um, production is not the word I'm looking for, but of, of, of humanity, right, that God has something designed or something, he, God has a purpose in humanity that, and, and that when he has fulfilled it or as he is fulfilling it, will have, we'll, we'll have the net effect of destroying every last vestige of what Satan, what, what damage and destruction Satan has wrecked on humanity and planet Earth. It will all be overturned, and it will be overturned by us. That's important that we understand that. In other words, there are no spectators in the kingdom of God. Not supposed to be any spectators in the kingdom of God. Everybody's a player. Everybody's active. Everybody has an assignment. Everybody has some people. Everybody everybody has some people around them, people that they could be reaching if they were motivated enough or willing enough to risk it all and and say... Follow what I'm saying? And, and and it's important for us to realize I'm here to do something. I'm not here just to go to church. Going to church is great. And I, you know, it's 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 kind of I think of it as like the huddle. We get back together again, call another plate, ready, break, and we go out and see if we can actually make it happen. Right? We get re-encouraged, we get refocused on Sunday morning, and then we go out into the world to do something. It's important for us to be thinking like that. <clears throat> so I believe the idea behind this verse uh, goes something like this. There is one who has risen up against God's sovereign authority to rule over all that he has created. But God has implemented a plan or a strategy which he thought through before the world began, long before his adversary ever even existed, by which he will crush his enemy and expose the lies that the enemy has sown. God is going to use babies and little children to defeat and silence all of the lies that the enemy has spoken against him." This is the central message of the Bible, and it was predicted right away, Genesis chapter 3, um, in something that is known theologically as the proto evangelum This Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, which is the first statement that God makes in the midst of God. Taking everybody to task over the fall, he, he, he speaks to the woman, he speaks to the man, he speaks to the devil, right? Each one, he says, This is what you're gonna get, and this is what you're gonna get, and this is what." But in the midst of it all, God lays down a promise. Okay? So that so that there would be hope right from the get-go, that in the midst of this incredible catastrophe, God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, gives them every possible thing except one thing, don't eat of that fruit of that tree, and they did. Okay, so the whole thing goes. Down in flames, it it seems to be a terrible catastrophe. Um, You know, undermining the very plan of God. It it didn't, by the way. It was, it was all known beforehand. It was all known by God beforehand. Um, But um, so, so this promise is given to us right there in Genesis chapter three, fifteen. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, now he's speaking to Satan, I will put enmity or hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What would you rather have, your heel struck, stricken or your head crushed? Okay, that's, that's pretty easy, right? So... Through God is or God is promising already Genesis chapter three that He's going to do something about this terrible catastrophe that is that is just simply fallen. Now the details uh, of Lucifer's insurrection. He is the one who who rebelled against God and and promoted a rebellion amongst the angelic beings this is long before adam this is long before genesis chapter 1 opens up sometime in, in in before adam was created and possibly even before god created the universe he had created a society of celestial beings this angelic host the host of heaven right and they're on all different levels of authority and influence and importance and, and, and this was a perfect society created by God. It was just doing its job, and it was wonderful. And at the very apex of all of this is this one called Lucifer, the light bringer, okay? And he is really in charge of the whole thing. Um, you'll see a little later on, we look through a passage of scripture in Ezekiel, he actually has music built into his body. He has pipes and tablets and In other words, he, can, he makes music. All without even trying, it just, it just comes forth from his nature. He is perfect, he is perfect, perfect. God says he's perfect. If God says it's perfect, he's created perfect in wisdom and in beauty until iniquity, iniquity is found in him. And prior to, sometime prior to Genesis one, there has been a rebellion. There has been, um, what are they calling the thing in Washington? What's that? An insurrection, yes, there has been an insurrection. Oh, that reminds me of something I wanted to... Oh, uh, we'll get there. I don't want to interrupt myself right now. If I interrupt myself, I'll never remember where I was. That's the problem. So there was an insurrection. The the one who perpetrated the insurrection, or the, the author of it, was Lucifer. And I believe that what he did is he charged God with being a tyrant. And uh, it's like I had mentioned last week, if somebody comes so, let's suppose somebody starts coming to church and um, they're here for a few weeks and they like the music and they're meeting the people and they like the place and they feel comfortable here. And, uh, and so, you know, we start seeing him again and again. And uh, and so somebody walks up to them one week and says, uh, well, how are you enjoying, you know, your involvement with uh, Freedom Church? Ah, oh, I'm uh, loving it here. Oh, that's great. It's great. You know, and... uh, and, uh so then, but as the conversation goes on, but the person says, I'm really happy to just are here, but I just want you to know one thing. Just uh, kind of watch out for Pastor Steve. <laughs> so I'm just saying, right? Now, I'm saying that, that, that this person would have no reason to, to do this, except maybe they're jealous of a position or something like that. But in other words, that person has just jaundiced the mind of a person who has come here with sincere motives, and that person is not going to look at me the same when they come to church next time, right? That person now is going to be perpetually suspicious. Somebody told me to watch out for Pastor Stephen. I'm watching out. I'm watching out. And that's, I believe, kind of akin to what Lucifer did in this angelic host. He wanted, and we'll show it in in, in the Isaiah chapter 14 passage, he said, I will be like the Most High, which means I want to be like God and the only way he was not like God was he was not autonomous. Here's a good question that I generally open up if I'm discussing this with somebody. I'll gener- generally, generally pose this. We'll see how, see, see what you think of this question. If God is all powerful, can he make a being exactly like himself? Think about it for a second. Don't give an answer, because you don't want to be boastful and proud if you get it right, and you don't want to be crushed if you get it wrong, You know. If God is all-power, since God is all-powerful, can he make a being exactly like himself? Well, the answer is no. Because any being that he would make would be a created being. And God is uncreated. God is the only uncreated being, and there is no other like him. And so, but he could make a being that was exactly like himself. So that that being would, so that, the sense that there would be no discernible difference from the outside between the two beings, okay? I believe that's what he, that's what he made when he made Lucifer. He made a being, little later, we'll see it in Ezekiel chapter 20, it says, you were, created, you were created perfect in wisdom and in beauty. But unfortunately, Lucifer got all full of himself and then demanded the right from God for, I will be, I want to be like you. You get to do whatever you want to do. I have to do what you tell me to do. I don't want to do what you tell me to do. And and this is kind of like, this is the heart of this fallen nature that's in us. The fallen nature that is in us says this, my life is mine to do with whatever I, I want to do with it. That's incorrect. That's utterly wrong. My life is not mine. I'm created by God. I'm a creation of God. How will I ever find any useful purpose in my life if I'm not linked up to the one who created me and in touch with what it is that he wants out of me? Other than that, I could do all kinds of things. I could be very successful. I could make tons of money. I could do great artistic projects. Whatever I might choose to do, it will only stand as an indictment at the end of my life because I didn't do and I never cared about what it is that he made before. You see, so the only thing that will be meaningful, but we have in ourselves as part of our natural basic fallen package this attitude that says, my life is mine. I'll do exactly what I want to with it, right? It's kind of like stubborn, self-centered, self-serving concept. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so, we have, so Lucifer is the author of that, uh, that notion. That my, I want my life to be mine. And, and so he, he went about and he, promoted, fomented a rebellion, which was very successful, by the way, because apparently he was able to lead one-third of the angels out in rebellion. And I believe that Jude, verse 6, will confirm the fact that rather... That, that, he, that he walked out of heaven and left his first estate rather than submit to God and, and, and be perceived as serving a tyrant. If you knew I was a tyrant, would you hang around here long? No. no, thank you. <laughs> of course not, right? <clears throat> you would want to get away from me. As a matter of fact, when people say, How can we go to church anymore? I ask Pastor Steve, man, he's a tyrant. He's a maniac. He's a control freak, right? That, that would be enough to disqualify anyone from wanting to be a member or part of this thing, right? And so Satan has gone about, he has slandered. He has slandered God to all these angels. They, in turn, they rebel and walk out of heaven. They leave heaven. And so now God's got an issue, right? Now now the beauty of all that he has created has been torn asunder. There is a falsehood that has been spoken about him. And how's he going to get this thing straightened out? And like I said last week, people will often say, well, if the devil is God's enemy, why not just destroy him? (laughs) Well, that would simply have proved that God's a tyrant right? So it it couldn't happen that way. It couldn't happen from top down. It had to happen from bottom up. So God thinking, 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 I got it. I will make a, a, a race of intelligent beings who will be a little lower than the angels. I'll give them a good job. I've crowned them with glory and honor. I've put all things under their feet, all the fish of the air. No. The fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the seas. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how... Right, so he's, he's gonna make another order of being. That order of being is gonna be a little below the angels because when he's below the angels, he'll be able to do something that will expose all this mess and let it be clearly seen for what it is. Anyway, oh, there's a lot to say here this morning. Anyway, here's the the, uh, Isaiah chapter 14 passage, the I will passage. The details of Lucifer's insurrection are given in a few places. This is one of them. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nation? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will, <clears throat> I, will also, I, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Uh, I, also, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Notice the last I will statement. I will be like the most high. Hi. That is that is the statement which I think betrays the motive that was in Lucifer's heart when he challenged God's right to rule over him. He said, "I want to be autonomous. I want to do whatever I want to do and I don't want to have to answer to anybody." <clears throat> so, this this was a, a disruption in the um, in the beginning of in, in the very beginning of all of creation, and it was the thing that, that that needed to be handled. And so this psalm is giving us information, kind of like interesting insight about what this of, of what God's purpose was in in creating man, because God created man, and of course it wasn't man us let's say uh, uh, um, us apart from or aside from God that would be able to fulfill the purpose. We got knocked out in the first round. Adam and Eve, you know, they, they, they couldn't handle the contest in the first round, they were done, okay? But that was simply to show, you can't do it, I can do it. And it was, the, the, the necessary ingredient was, we need a God-man here. We need, we need one of us that's also one of him. And this is the miracle of of the incarnation and the fact that God has become one of us. He didn't, it's not as though he's gonna charge us to defeat the devil by himself. He's gonna come here and he's gonna do it for us, but we will be linked to it because he's one of us. What an incredible thing, right? What an incredible thing. And so when, So now when he talks about out of the mouths of babies and nursing infants, you have established a stronghold that you might still the voice of the enemy and the avenger, he is really saying, out of the human race, out of this human society that I've built, this is going to be the weapon that I am going to use to demolish the stronghold of Satan, to demolish the kingdom of darkness. It is going to be man himself. Now, now... Jesus, of course, is the champion. And no, everything that we might wanna do couldn't be done unless he did what he did first. All right, so for him to come down and submit himself to the death of the cross, think of Philippians chapter two. You know, for this reason, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name above every other name, because he submitted himself, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, right? And he went to that cross for one reason, because we needed a sacrifice that would avail to cleanse us from our sins, and that sacrifice that he offered is the one sacrifice that would get the job done. The one sacrifice that could genuinely be offered, his offering of himself. And so, Jesus starts the ball rolling. Jesus comes down, he plants the flag, he establishes the kingdom, and and he dies to make it possible that sinners like you and me can come in and be forgiven and now be reconciled back to God, back to the Father. All of that happens because what Jesus does. But then once we are in, we're part of the team. In other words, again, no spectators. We are part... If you're a believer, you're part of the team. You you need to be playing somewhere. You need to be active somewhere. Your, the primary goal for every believer should be, how can I do something that helps this kingdom move forward? Right, I can give my money, I can give my time, I can give my abilities and my talents, how can I, the, how can this vessel be used in some way to move the ball forward? Because when all is said and done, the only thing that will matter is who we brought into the kingdom and what a, what kind of an influence we were. All the other things will be in the dustbin of history. That one thing will be going strong right then. And so, it's a matter for each one of us. And, and again, this doesn't have to be something complex. I don't... You know, sometimes we think about the will of God and we think, oh, I don't know what, I, I asked God to show me his will and you know, I didn't get any revelations. Like, <clears throat> just find somebody to, to do some good for in Jesus' name. Just find some way to be a blessing and be a blessing in Jesus. I, you know what I mean? This can, this can be as simple as possible. As matter of fact, if you start with the simple, obvious stuff that's right there in your, in your proximity, you will be on the right track. And then God will say, hey, you got that right, pretty good, kid. I got another one for you. I got another one for you. And before you know it, there are things that are going on, and people are people are looking and depending upon you to be their conduit. <clears throat> I want to tell you all. Many of you remember Wally Schwartz, right? Wally's a great guy. Was an elder here for many years. Now he's pastor over at uh, Stockholm United Methodist, right? He works. He has worked. He just had a heart operation, so he's a, a little out of out of the circuit right now. <clears throat> But he works down at what used to be Gearhart Chevrolet, and now it's, I forget the name of the thing, um, as a car salesman. And he has, the, he, he has these things. He's, he's printed them up. He's actually making copies of it. It's called The Word for the Day. Anybody ever get a Word for the Day from Wally, right? Little, little like, business card-sized thing, and it's just got a passage of Scripture on it, you know? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, you know? And with some kind of little Bible graphic on the back. He, he gives them out all the time. No one is ever offended. Okay, because it's, it's, it's not like, boom, hitting you between the eyes. It's just someone who is doing you a service by providing some word that has come from God's word. He says he goes, when he goes into work, everybody, everybody, and these aren't church people, they ask for it. Hey, did you bring the word for today? today? Right? Now, now, again, that's just a small example of how things can happen in a very um, powerful but subdued, Fashion, so that that we can be useful, the kingdom of god it 's just a mind it 's a mindset, so anyway, with this whole thing, humanity is the tool, humanity is the thing that God has raised up <clears throat> now I want to introduce uh, to, for the defeat of the devil what is it uh, it says of Jesus um, in in Hebrews chapter two and verse fourteen it says for as for inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself also partook of the same, that through death he might destroy the one who had the power of death and set those free who were all their lifetime subject to captivity because of the fear of death. Did you get that? In other words, because the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, also partook of flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death and then liberate those who all their lifetime were subject to bondage through their fear of dying. Okay, so <clears throat> Jesus comes into this mix, he gets the job done, and then, he, and then he, in his last statement, says, go out into all the world. Tell everybody about this. Preach it to every creature. Baptize them if you... You know what I'm saying. <clears throat> all right, so, so Satan rebelled, And God's plan for quelling this rebellion runs directly through, when I consider your heavens, and the sun, moon, and stars that you have created, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man, what is man? Man is going to be the instrument by through whom God is going to expose and destroy his adversary. That means you, And, and that should also equip you with the knowledge that Satan cannot get over on you if you are a vigilant christian okay that's important that's not to say that no difficult things will come your way that no hard times will come your way yeah they'll come but nothing will be able to capsize your boat nothing will be able to sink your life because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world you got to give the devil credit he never stops he never quits he, but, he, but but it's, it's got to be just terribly frustrating because he just can't win. He just cannot win. Amazing, right? <clears throat> let, me, let me go off on something. I, I've said it before, but it's worth, I think it's worth going through it again. Imagine the victory. Imagine the joy that Satan felt after he masterminded the entire crucifixion. He's been working on this thing, you know. He was he was on the job way back right after the baptism of Jesus. Jesus goes out fasting 40 days. Satan's right out there waiting for him. And he goes, uh, you know, and he comes. You know, since you're the son of God, turn the stones into bread. All these temptations, but Jesus utterly cool. Doesn't need anything that Satan is... He doesn't need to buy anything that Satan is selling. He knows where his future and knows where his security totally is. And so, <clears throat> Satan comes along and it says, and then Satan left him after he couldn't tempt him, after he couldn't, what, after, after he couldn't draw him into what I call the autonomy rebellion. Do something for yourself. You trust in God? What are you, stupid? You're, there's a stone, turn it into bread. You can do that. You're the son of God. Right, so anyway, jesus so it says he left him for a more convenient season and then he's working and he's working he's working he's working and he finally brings the whole thing to jerusalem in the 33rd year of christ's life and he's got it all mapped out and he's already put into the heart of judas iscariot to betray jesus and he's already working on the sanhedrin he's got his people on the inside there and 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 they're all thinking how do we get rid of this guy how do we get rid of this guy and so he, 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 he makes it all happen. Judas betrays him. He goes to the Sanhedrin. They falsely convict him. All this stuff goes on, and Satan is just salivating over this thing. Oh, this is good. This is good. I got him. Okay? So then, the pilot gives the order. Take him, crucify him. They take him up, they crucify him. They, after you've seen the passion, you see the horror that Christ went through. Um, in, in terms of his passion and his crucifixion. And <clears throat> all the way to the cross, he is a bloody pulp. They lay him down that thing, they slam nails into his hands, and they raise him up and 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 put him up there, right? And, and I'm imagining that Satan is sitting back and loving it, man. Loving every... I got him, I got you, and I got them. All of them. Because they will be charged with this atrocity. Because God came into their world, and they crucified him. That was, what he, that was the ultimate prize for him. Not only have I defeated and undermined God's plan, all of these people that he has created will eternally burn in hell for the sins that they have committed, and I will stand at the end of the day and go like, you are a tyrant. This is what you made, God. How do you like it now? You follow what I'm saying? In other words, this was, I believe, what he completely expected to be the outcome of this whole thing. Wanting to damage the purpose and plan of God and damage God himself if he possibly could. And it really looked like he had utterly and completely succeeded. And then Jesus says the first thing that he says from the cross, and it all goes down the drain. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Forgive them? Did you say forgive them? I can only, you know, like that had to be the greatest shock. And I'm, I'm saying this because maybe a little sympathy for the devil. I don't know. You know, that's, that's been already tried, uh, you know, by the Rolling Stones a long time ago. But just the idea, he cannot win. He cannot win because Christ is in you. He can try and he can bring everything that is at his disposal and try to unload it on you, but he cannot defeat you because you are strong, you are safe, and you are secure in God. That's true. That's true. So when difficult things, when problematic things, when troublesome things, when unexpected things, when disappointing things come along, just stand your ground. Just stay put where you are. You know, and that's exactly what he's saying in Ephesians chapter 6, right? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to... Stand. stand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. You know, with the girdle of truth and all of these different things. So Satan can, Satan can do nothing to a vigilant Christian <clears throat> because God has pre-programmed us to be the tool that crushes his head. Hallelujah. There's so much more to. somebody read something and then we'll have to quit from, just to kind of reinforce some of this. I'm gonna read Ezekiel chapter 28. <clears throat> and, um, and I want you, to, well, I'll point out a couple of things that I think are important as we go through this. This is a statement about Lucifer. The word of the Lord came to me again saying, son of man, say to the Prince of Tyre, now notice, I want you to notice the word Prince, say to the Prince of Tyre and Tyre of course is a city in Phoenicia on the Mediterranean Sea, about where Lebanon is today. It was a, it was a great city of trade. It was a great city for, for, um, maritime, um, what's the word, commerce okay, and, and, and was fantastically wealthy, and this one prince of Tyre who was the leader of Tyre, who was a real person, a real, a real individual, this, he has become extremely lifted up in his own self-grandiosity and pride, okay? He thinks, he thinks he's a god. That's insanity. The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, say to the prince of Tyre, thus says the Lord God, because your heart is lifted up, and you say, I am a God, I sit in the seat of gods, in the midst of the seas, yet you're a man, not a God, though you set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, you are wiser than Daniel. I, I have a feeling that you'd say, behold, are you wiser than Daniel? Because he's kind of, he's, he's probing him. You think you're so hot? You think you're so, you know, all that in the bag of chips? Behold, are you wiser than Daniel? Is there no secret that can be hidden from you? With your wisdom and your understanding, you have gained riches for yourself and gathered gold and silver into your treasuries. By your great wisdom and trade, you have increased your riches, and your heart is lifted up because of your riches. Therefore, says the Lord God, because you have set your heart as the heart of a God, behold, therefore, I will bring strangers against you, the most terrible of nations. They shall draw their swords against the beauty of your wisdom and defile your splendor. They shall throw you down into the pit and you shall die the death of the slain in the midst of the seas. Will you still say before him who slays you, I am a God, but you shall be a man and not a God in the hand of him who slays you. You shall die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand. Oh, I'm I'm not moving this forward, am I? Huh? Oh, they're doing it. Oh, good job back there. Appreciate that, and you shall die. The, you mean I don't have to do this anymore? I don't have to where to go! <clears throat> um, you shall die the death of the uncircumcised for the um, by the hand of aliens. For I have spoken, says the Lord God. Now that's verses one through ten, Ezekiel chapter twenty-eight. It is a, it is a prophecy to a real king of Tyre who lived at the time of uh, Ezekiel. Now notice what happens in the next nine verses. Okay. Let's go to the next section. Moreover, there we go. now we're fighting. (laughs) Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. Now here's what's cool about this. Okay, we just looked at, he just addressed the prince of Tyre. This is the actual human ruler of Tyre and he's this proud, arrogant, um, person who thinks that he's everything. He's a God, right? And so God has a little news for him that his, his, his day is coming. But now he introduces us to somebody else, somebody who's beside, behind the scenes. And this guy who's beside, behind the scenes, this is no man. You'll be able to tell by the, by the language that is used. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. YOU WERE THE ANOINTED CHERUB WHO COVERS. I ESTABLISHED YOU. YOU WERE ON THE HOLY MOUNTAIN OF GOD. YOU WALKED BACK AND FORTH. ARE WE STILL TRACKING WITH THIS? YEAH, GOOD. Um, YOU WERE ON THE HOLY MOUNTAIN OF GOD. YOU WALKED BACK AND FORTH IN THE MIDST OF THE FIERY STONE. SO, YOU GET THIS PICTURE. I MEAN, THIS IS NOT not A MAN. THIS IS THE ONE, HE WAS IN THE GARDEN OF GOD. HE WAS ON THE HOLY MOUNTAIN OF GOD. HE WAS THE ANOINTED CHERUB THAT COVERS. THIS IS SOMEBODY PARTICULARLY UNIQUE AND SPECIAL. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance, by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. And I, I believe that that, is, that, that that trading has to do with this, what he did in terms of influence peddling with, with the other, other beings who were part of this heavenly host whom he deceived. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the people are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever in psalm 8 god has revealed that he will overcome and destroy the rebellion instigated by lucifer and resulting in the death grief misery and affliction uh, in the universe in general and on humanity in particular this will be accomplished by the creature known as man what is man that you are mindful of him man is so significant in god's in god's program and plan that he has decided to marry us, and we will be joined with him forever. That's the ultimate goal and plan. It'll take all the saints of all time to make a bride for the Son of God. So, you know, it'll take it'll take the, the full tilt, all of us, and even then we'll probably feel unworthy to be there. We will be unworthy to be there. But The point behind this message and the point that, you know, again, to take this psalm and and see that, like, not only is this a wonderful picture of praise and extolling God, the glory of God, but it is letting you and I know that as human beings, we have a specific ability and power in this world, and that power is that we can destroy the works of the devil. Okay, and so you, you and I can expose darkness, we can expose wrongdoing, but we have to, it has to happen first in me, right? So that's where the work's got to start. I have to dethrone the works of darkness in my own heart, in my own mind. I have to acknowledge them, I have to repent of them, and even though they come back, i got to keep on acknowledging them and keep on repenting them and keep on turning away from all, all of the corruption that is in me. But as that process goes on, God opens up other doors. Then the light that is in me can be, can be offered to the rest of the world. That's, that's God's program. God's program is to make your life significant, spiritually, eternally significant. And all you gotta do is just look for the opening. Where's God working? What's he, where's He leading? What person can I help? What person can I bless? What person can I invite to church? Who can I call up and encourage today? Who can I send a little word of the day to? You know what I mean? Like just any little thing that we can do that's because the, the the most fundamental passion should be and ought to be, how can I move this thing forward? What can I do to be a part of this great campaign to enthrone Jesus Christ on this planet to defeat all darkness and usher in the kingdom of God? What a what a glorious hope we have. What a what a purpose we have that we will be actually what God who God uses to effect all of that. It started with Jesus and it continues to go forward. Let's take a moment. I'm gonna ask you to pray and ask God, Lord, where can you use me? He used to sing a song, Jesus use me, oh Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work I can do. And even though it's humble, Lord help me, help my will to crumble, though the cost be great. I'll work for you. Okay, will you work for the Lord? Father God, thank you this morning that we're not, that this life is full of hope and promise and and the ability, we can do so many things that can bless those that are around us. And if you'll just be patient with us, be gracious with us, Lead us and direct us because we want to be used by you, oh Lord God. And I, I thank you for all the people who are here today. Everybody who's here today is, is, is moving the kingdom. People come, they bring their gifts, they bring their talents, they bring their abilities. A church is nothing without people. And I thank you for everybody that's here and people who are not here and on vacation and wherever. Because you're building you're building an army. You're building, we're like a platoon. We're one platoon, in this army of the Lord. And Lord, we just thank you that that you have invited us into something that is eternal in quality and character and that what we do will last. You said, I have chosen you that you might bring forth fruit, fruit that will remain. Amen. So thank you, Lord God. Continue to work at your will. Lord God, use this church. Here we have this wonderful building that you've given to us, all the stuff that you've made available to us. Use this place, we pray, oh Lord God, in every way that you can to touch lives to change lives to work in people's lives to be able to help them to find truth we're living in a world that is denying every level of truth and yet you remain the truth so help lord god we just pray continue to work graciously through us bless everyone who's here with us this morning oh lord god we pray motivate energize activate every gift activate every ability Help us to not surrender or shrink back in our our own sense of insufficiency or incompetence, but help us to go forward, as it says in Ephesians, to be strengthened by the strength of the Lord and put on the armor of God. So thank you for this morning, and thank you for this word, and thank you for Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, say it. Let's try it again. O Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth you have set your glory above the heavens hallelujah